Welcome to the Urgent Matters podcast. This is a series where leading experts from around the world share with us their latest insights into overactive bladder. I'm your host, Professor Paul Abrams, and I'm delighted that you have joined us for this latest instalment. And today I'm delighted to say we've got Professor Chris Gomez with us. He's Professor of Urology at Sao Paulo University in Brazil. He did some of his training at the University of Pennsylvania in Philadelphia, and he's an expert in lower urinary tract dysfunction. But today we're looking at something slightly different, and this is mHealth, mobile health technologies. And many of us are not wholly familiar with the term mHealth, so I'm going to ask Professor Gomez just to sketch out uh, what mHealth means. Yeah, usually when we talk about mobile health technologies, we're referring to the use of a smartphone application that may help in the evaluation, monitoring, or treatment of a health condition. There are many apps in the field of urinary incontinence and lower urinary tract symptoms, and anyone can download some of these apps to their phones. Most are free, but there are some paid versions. Typically, apps in this field allow for symptom evaluation and monitoring, or guide patients on how and when to do pelvic floor exercises or lifestyle adaptations. Well, that's yeah, that's obviously an innovation for many people. Is there any quality control on these apps? Who who makes them, and are they made with the cooperation of patients to make sure that they're easily understood by patients as well as by doctors? Well, that's a a good point because a a recent study evaluated the availability and quality of mobile health for urinary incontinence in Brazil. And the researchers found uh, only 12 eligible apps. And most of this, they focus on teaching and monitoring pelvic floor exercises with only two focused on evaluation and monitoring of lower urinary tract symptoms. And in general, These apps were of poor to average quality based on a scale to evaluate the quality of mobile help apps. They call it the Mars scale. And this too evaluates objective parameters such as engagement, functionality, aesthetics, and information quality. It also has a subjective quality scale. And what this evaluations showed was that the average rating was 2.6 on a scale from zero to five. And most of these apps, they have unattractive layouts, low resolution graphics, and most provide low quality information from questionable sources. The authors cautioned that there is a lack of evidence-based scientific information associated with these apps And they credit that to the fact that most of these apps were developed for commercial purposes, and they suggest the need to promote better partnership between industry and academic institutions to improve the quality of these apps. Well, yes, that sounds a very good idea. And certainly, uh, we've got a lot of experience of developing questionnaires. And when we develop questionnaires, then we develop them with patients. So as well as having industry 
and academics in partnership, do you think it's also important to include patients? Certainly, that, that's a, a point that is also discussed in some of these new studies coming up, showing that not only uh, the, the academic experts should be included, but the feedback from patients, uh, it's very, very important. Uh, a recent study coming from Sweden, uh, it's a good example of how the involvement of uh, an expert in the field can make a difference. Because in this study, uh, they evaluated the usefulness of a mobile app for the self-management of OAB in women with urinary incontinence or urgency. And what they did was they uh, randomized participants to receive uh, a treatment application, which included pelvic floor muscle training, bladder training, lifestyle advice, and reinforcement messages. And the control group was only an information application. And they showed an improvement of 87% in the treatment group compared to only 30% in the formation group. So this study was a collaboration involving three universities in Sweden. And it's an example of the importance of involving these academic institutions for the development of a higher quality application. Well, that, that certainly sounds encouraging. Do you, do you have an app that you can use with your patients? Well, I don't use it in, in my daily practice. But I, I do have some experience with that. Uh, I used a, a phone app in the context of a study we conducted at my university to evaluate the efficacy of an injectable agent for the treatment of neurogenic urgency incontinence. So we used it as an electronic voiding diary. The patient was supposed to check every micturition and every urinary leak, leakage they have in pre-specified days. It also allowed patients to complete the voided volumes. And the app would send a message to remind patients to complete their voiding diary in case of many hours of inactivity. And this was a very important tool to uh, assure for a complete adherence of the patient to the voiding diary. And the data was automatically sent to a data bank and was actually used as the main outcome measure of this study. I'm very interested that you mentioned the bladder diary because it seems to me that this is very valuable. Um, do you think patients learn a lot from completing a bladder diary? I do think so. I, think, I, do, I do think that both us as uh, clinical pra practitioners and the patients can learn a lot. They can learn about... Uh, their, their uh, liquid intake habits. They can learn about uh, the, the timing uh, of when they have uh, more, uh, a higher urinary frequency. They can possibly learn a little bit about uh, measures to avoid uh, urgency and urgent continence. So I think we all learn a lot with that. Us as physicians, we learn about to phenotype the patients, which is a strategy to uh, select better diagnostic and treatment strategies for these patients. And we also can learn how the patient fare after we 
introduce some kind of, of treatment so uh, we can monitor the outcome of different uh, treatment strategies that we can uh, uh, offer the patient. So I think it's, it's good for both the, the doctors and uh, the patients to learn a little more of their condition. Yes, that, that, yes, that's interesting. My, my experience of Brazil is sadly limited to Iguazu Falls, which was wonderful. So I haven't yet had the opportunity to study Brazilian culture in detail. But are Brazilian people very keen on coffee? And so does some of the discussion that you have with these apps revolve around asking patients to change their intake of caffeine uh, liquids? Yeah, it is certainly uh, part of our culture, uh, and we we need to improve this in your CV. You have to come more to Brazil. Hopefully, after this pandemics, we'll make sure that uh, uh, we have you here as a great professor you are. We certainly uh, will improve a lot our knowledge in LUTs and many other topics. But coming back to your question, uh, I think that coffee is a big thing in Brazil. And sometimes you evaluate a patient, they have like three or four uh, uh, cups of coffee in the morning and three or four in the afternoon and two more in the night. So uh, this is something that can certainly be monitored with an app like that. So this could be uh, an advantage as well. And, and in Brazil, I think it certainly makes uh, lots of sense to, to monitor uh, coffee intake as, as well as other products. We, we know that with overactive bladder, there's, lot of, there's a lot of unmet need. The patients need help, but they don't come for a variety of reasons. Do you feel that the app can help spread education to patients so that they find a little bit out about overactive bladder and then they come and see you in your office? Certainly, I think uh, this is a point that uh, we know. We have uh, the studies, the population studies, they show such higher prevalence of OAB. And yet, we know that many of these patients never uh, come to the doctor, they never get appropriate treatment. And this would certainly be a way to uh, improve awareness of OAB and how this can be uh, evaluated and treated. And uh, we discussed some of the other unmet uh, needs that we, we can have and probably mobile uh, technology could help. And one of that uh, we just mentioned is, is the ability to, by uh, improving our knowledge about patients' symptoms, we can better phenotype patients and possibly personalize treatment uh, in, a, in a much better way that, than we do nowadays. And another point is we, we can look at subgroups of patients, such as the elderly patients. Uh, so this uh, could be a population with more difficulty coming to medical visits, and they have more complex uh, multifactorial lower urinary tract symptoms. And on the other hand, it's been shown that they can really use smartphones when they're provided the necessary training and the, the, the pandemic of, of COVID-19 has, has shown that they really intensified the use of smartphones. So maybe uh, some of these apps, it made uh, easy 
to, to use, they can substitute for some of the in-person care, even for uh, patients that uh, have difficulty coming here, coming to, to the doctor. And possibly another point would be, uh, for instance, uh, maybe we could use mobile technology uh, to assess patient cognition and other adverse events upon the starting of a medication like an antimuscarinics, and, and this could also be an advantage for some patients. So in the future, do you see that the use of these apps um, would also give access to the patient information to the doctor who's looking after their overactive bladder condition so that their progress can be monitored remotely without them having to come to your clinic? Is that technologically easy? I think so. We, we are not at this point right now, but I think we have the, the, the tools uh, that are needed to, to get to this point. I think that the use of these apps is limited mainly by the, their extension and the complexity of their commands. Ideally, uh, they should be as short as possible, as straightforward as possible, and with that, uh, it would enable easy and rapid completion of this uh, voiding diaries and all the other of this stuff. And they would certainly help expand the use of, of this methodology. So uh, I think that we are going to see that in the future. And part of this will be an effort to make them easier and more straightforward to the patients. We, in this uh, regard, I, I just wanted to tell you that we have just developed a visual questionnaire to evaluate lower urinary tract symptoms with the aim to facilitate comprehension and allow for a quicker completion. We validated this new questionnaire, which is just visual, there's no words there, and uh, comparing it to the IPSS, the International Prostate Symptom Score, which is the most a widely used uh, symptom score, as you know. And we are now trying to develop a mobile version of this questionnaire with the inclusion or of, of a few more features. And we hope that this will help in the future for uh, getting to more close to something as you just described, Paul. I'm also interested in whether or not you have changed the way you consult with patients during the pandemic. Are you talking to them much more on the telephone and perhaps by video conference? And do you think that these methods of talking to patients will continue after the pandemic because they produce certain advantages? Yes, uh, I, I totally agree with, with that. Uh, I mean, I'm certainly uh, making many, many remote evaluations of my patients something that I was never used to do before the pandemic. So this is certainly something that came very strongly. And in Brazil right now, as we still have high numbers in, in terms of epidemiology of COVID, uh, we, we think that this will uh, go on for some time. As for the future in the long term, I think that many patients will enjoy uh, not having to get away from their homes, from their routines, and having to go to visit the, pay, the, the doctor if they have an opportunity to do some kind of telemedicine. And 
And this, uh, the use of these apps applications will certainly uh, give them an opportunity to do that. So in the, the way I see it in the, in the long term, it will be a, it will be a, a good tool for the evaluation of patients. It will not be as much as we are using right now. We can tell that because when the pandemic was in the highest numbers in Brazil, we did not see any patient at all in our office. But then as the numbers were going down, some of the patients came back some of the patients were doing remote evaluations, but as they, in the second wave, more of the patients went back to remote evaluations, but always with a reasonable number of patients, always opting for the remote evaluation. So I think I agree with you. And even in the long term, we should be more, uh, we should be using more remote evaluations. Well, Thank you very much. It's been extremely interesting talking to you and you've given us an excellent insight into the possibilities of mHealth with apps and how this can improve patient care in OAB. I'm sure this is long overdue and it's a little ironic that these opportunities maybe have come because of the COVID uh, pandemic, which we hope will soon be finished. So thank you very much indeed, Professor Gomez, uh, for these very interesting points that you've made. Thank you very much. And I think this was a great conversation, Paul. Thank you. Thank you very much for listening to this episode of the Urgent Matters podcast series. And we hope that this has helped share further insights into overactive bladder. We would like to thank Estellas for their kind support in sponsoring this podcast. Please stay tuned for the next episode where we continue to explore key insights from experts in the field of OAB.